Welcome to Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage, the show that gives you a chance to hang with today's top contemporary jazz artists. I'm your host, Carl Brown. Welcome, everyone. Today's episode of Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage. We've got a really exciting guest for you today. He is pretty, pretty new to the contemporary jazz scene, but he is most definitely making his presence known. His debut single, Co-Motion, has spent multiple weeks as the number one contemporary jazz song on the Billboard charts and on every other chart. He's a guitarist with a flair and a genre-melding skill that is fresh and fun and really in some ways unbelievable when you listen to how this young man plays the guitar. Please welcome to the show today, Lamech. Lamech, welcome, man. Hi. What's going on, man? It's nice to be here. It's good to have you here. It's good to have you here. So you young men are in a very rare space. Not many musicians, regardless of genre, can say that their debut single spent multiple weeks as the number one song. And interestingly, you and your father, Quentin Gerard, both had songs in the Billboard top five chart at the same time. Like, that's pretty amazing stuff, man. Yeah, man, for sure. It's been a pretty surreal experience, to say the least, man, because I joined uh, Trippin' and Rhythm this year as a brand new artist and been working on my extended album that's to be slated for release uh, next year. But when we chose uh, Commotion, man, that song was one of those deals where it's like, dude, we knew we had something hot with that. But regardless of however, what we thought about it, I didn't think it would do this well, man. So this has blown our expectations out of the water, man. It's been a very, very fun ride. That's awesome, man, and good for you. I, I got to tell you, I started taking guitar lessons myself a few weeks ago. And nice, the first, man. Yeah, the first time I heard Commotion, it kind of stopped me in my tracks. And then I heard it again, and then I, list, I really listened, listened to it. And honestly, what I took away from there was like, how in the world is this young man playing this guitar like this? Because like, I just started listening. So like, I'm trying to just do chord changes and, and struggling with that, right? And yeah, man, look, I've been there, bro. <laughs> you, I, I've been there and I sometimes I'm still there, bro. But, so I'm, I'm uh, still with you, bro. <laughs> but the things you are able to do with that guitar, man, are pretty amazing. And it Thank makes somebody so like me think like, oh my goodness, we are witnessing something that is great and something that is going to be even greater on the horizon yeah well look man i've i'm thankful that i've had a lot of people give me some very positive feedback and criticism as well they they really enjoy my playing man and that's all really make people's lives a little bit better that's you know, awesome. by them hearing me play you know and stuff like that so that's that's a amazing compliment so thank you so much oh man. you are very welcome and well deserved so how did this musical journey get started for you you know, it's kind of a long story, but it all starts with my dad. So my dad, before I was born, he was already a claimed musician touring with uh, many bands back in the day. He was already kind of, you know, trying to make his stamp in this genre long before I was born. So uh, by the time I was born, so I was born in 1999, you know, my dad decided, was like, okay, well, you know, I, I got a family. I must go ahead and just try that thing out. So, you know, I was born and growing up from like the ages of around one to about three, you know, I would roll around in the backseat of the car and I'd be listening to a lot of the stuff that he had for his playlist. So he listened to like a lot of contemporary jazz, smooth jazz, and then like R&B funk, yeah. you know, soul type of stuff to mix that in. And so my playlist in, you know, what I got to hear growing up was 
a giant mix of that type of music. I was already kind of musically brought up in that realm. And so I kind of enjoyed that music because that's really all I heard. You know, I didn't hear nothing else at the time. Around that time, he actually bought me a drum set. One of the reasons why he got me that, he told me, was because if you get good at this, you will never be able to not be able to feed yourself. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So you could always have a skill that'll get you somewhere in life. Yeah. That'll be able to, you know, you are times, man, go get a gig, you know, 70 bucks, go feed yourself, man, get some food. Right. I mean, so that's kind of one of the deals where he uh, he started me off early with that. The drums I actually took to for quite a while growing up, man. I, I enjoyed playing them, but I played them all the way up until about five. This this time growing up, I was living in Florida. We had a pretty nice house there. And uh, eventually it came time we moved. And I believe we were going to Texas, I believe, or something like that. But we stopped off here in Louisiana because we had some family that was living here. You know, we stopped off, checked them out and see what's going on. You know, it's like, okay, uh, we're headed to Texas. But, you know, we we might as well just go ahead and stay here because we had, had my grandfather that was living here and he was elderly at the time. Went ahead and was like, look, we'll just live with you, take care of you. Okay. And we'll just stay here. You know what I mean? And so. We moved in in around about 2003, and this house we're living in was kind of small. And my dad, this whole time, has still been doing music stuff. He's been doing, you know, his he was working on his debut album at the time, his whole little uh, music production. So when we moved here, this house was a little bit smaller. So he was like, all right, look, I need my studio. So your drum set, we got to pack that up. Uh-huh, <laughs> that's uh-huh. that's got to go. <laughs> so uh, I got to make room for all these expensive keyboards I'm getting here. So... <laughs> Yeah, so that's that was the kind of the deal. And so there goes my drum career at the time. So uh-huh. I'm like a four or five year old with no musical outlet anymore. Not that I cared at the time, because you know, I'm a kid. I'm yeah. a so you know it's it's what up. But a friend of his that lived here, because my dad's actually from here. He's from a town called Norco, and he has a lot of friends and family that live here in uh-huh. uh, southern Louisiana. His friend uh by the name of Albert Davis came down. I'm not sure for what reason he brought me this gift, Uh but he just showed up one day with a guitar. Wow. I didn't know if it was my birthday. Uh I didn't know if it was a special occasion or nothing. He just showed up one day. I still think he put him up to it, but uh, what do you call it? (laughs) He just showed up one day with it. And so um, I tried it out. It was an acoustic guitar, and I instantly fell in love with it. Yeah, that's cool. It's one of those unspoken bonds that you formed with it. I was like, dude, I don't know what this is. I just started plucking strings on it. And I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to go with it. I love it. I went ahead and just started going, uh, going to town on that thing, man. I, I started, you know, learning chords, started learning chords. I started trying to, you know, learn how to noodle and stuff. And uh, I would try and um, learn some of the songs that I would hear growing up. And one of them was actually one of the songs that I had for you to play. It's called, uh, Stanley Jordan's version of Lady in My Life. To this day, I, I talk about that with him. I was like, dude, that's one of the greatest covers of all time, bro. It is so like ahead of its time as far as musically speaking. It, it's one of those deals where it's like, I don't know what this dude was on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like because it's so it's such a departure from like the classic Michael Jackson song, but it's such a unique spin on it. Like it's incredible, but. 
at the time as a five-year-old, I didn't understand the nuance and musical ability like that and, you know, harmony and melodic content. But I knew it was a fun song and I liked it. And it was a guitar player that I know that, you know, like, oh, that's what that guy sounds like. I went ahead and tried to learn it on like this little tape player because this is early 2000s, you know, okay, we, yeah, we, yeah. we still got those. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we still got those back in the day. So uh, I had this little tape player and I put the CD in there. I tried to learn it. And this is actually uh, when I got my first electric guitar, I actually tried to learn this. It was a little tiny uh, Fender Squire for like kids or whatever. <laughs> but uh, I tried to follow it, man. But it's Stanley Jordan. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> it's Stanley yeah. Jordan. I'm a five-year-old kid just picking up the guitar. I'm like, dude, I'm thinking that, oh, yeah, man, it's easy, man. It's like, I can do all that, you know, noodle and tap and stuff. And I'm like, I listen to him when he does those runs in that song. I'm like, okay, what's this man doing? Yeah, yeah, what, yeah. What's, what's, this, yeah. What, what's he doing? How do I do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, uh, I was like, okay, yeah, this is, this is way too advanced for me. Never gave up until then. I went ahead and after that, I would uh, just keep practicing off and on. And then, um, yeah, I went ahead and uh, kept practicing. Eventually, a few years later, I went ahead and started taking formal lessons. That didn't really work out that well. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> it was one of those deals where it's like I'm starting to become like eight years old at the time. And uh, little kids attention span for that kind of stuff wasn't it was not there. It was not there. And it, to be honest, it kind of sucked the fun out of it. Yeah. Because okay. up until because up until that point, it was like I was playing guitar because I wanted to play it. You know what I mean? It's like I wanted to figure stuff out. It's like exploring a whole new world. You know what I mean? It's not like going on a safari and somebody's driving you where a predestined path. I wanted to drive the car. You right. Know? Right. I right. Wherever I wanted to go. So that's kind of the deal for that part but after that i started taking formal lessons i kind of fell out of the guitar okay i actually huh. quit i huh. quit yeah i quit it and so uh it was actually uh i'm glad i did actually because i'll get to this later but it actually the reason i quit was because i was playing video games a lot and had friends and had a social life or tried to uh -huh. at least <laughs> so, uh -huh. uh, that was absolutely necessary though because I actually developed a love for video game music. Okay. Ah. So it's like, so the thing was, is that I didn't really like quit music per se. It's just like, I love music. It's just the instrument in which I conveyed it was not really there. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Gotcha. I would listen to music. I would get inspiration. And so I would kind of learn how other people did harmony, did, you know, melodies and stuff like that. Because that's a different genre, but it's still music. It's still a lot of um, a lot of content in that type of music. Same thing with film scoring, those types of uh, those genres and uh, formats of music. Throughout those four years or so, I would be playing video games, learning music, you know, listening to it and stuff like that and, and enjoying that. And eventually that that led to a gentleman by the name of Charlie Para from Peru. And so this guy, he's actually like a rock, a hard rock guitarist. But the counterpoint to this is when I was learning Stanley Jordan, like back when I was six and I couldn't see what he was doing to be able to emulate that. This is now the YouTube era. This is like 2011, 2012. I can see what this guy's doing. And so he was very instrumental in for me because I saw how he played. 
And he was, he's the most melodic guitar player I think I've ever heard in a lot of regards. And so uh, he's hard rock, of course, you know, that's far from removed from what I do now, but he influenced my playing a lot. And so when I saw that video of him playing, I was like, dude, he reawoke that spark in me to want to go pick up the guitar again. So I went ahead and uh, once I saw that, I was like, dude, I'm going to go pick up my guitar. I'm going to learn that. Once that happened, it was off to the races. I haven't picked, I haven't put it down since. And so I would listen to him over and over again. I would watch what he's doing. I would try and learn some of the melodies that he would have in his songs. And, you know, what we call in this, I guess, hobby, so to speak, about, you know, instrument playing is like when you get that drive to want to pick up your instrument, we call that getting bit. Okay. Okay. So I was bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I was like, yeah. dude, I can't put the guitar <laughs> down. Every time I go grocery shopping, I was like, dude, I want to go play. You know uh-huh. what I mean? So <laughs> it was around this time we were moving around the country, you know, my parents for work and stuff like that. So we moved from place to place. But, you know, I carried my guitar with me. I would pick it up whenever I can, whenever I felt inspiration. I would go ahead and I would learn as much as I could from like online types yeah should i say lesson online lessons online uh education and i would go to the point where i was like okay i'm finally starting to take this seriously so i need to start actually you know learning the fundamentals of the guitar because you know there's one thing about noodling and there's another thing about actually formally learning how the instrument works you know what i mean but i combined it because i learned from previously like how lessons just suck the fun out of it I got to combine the two because fundamentals are important, but you don't want to suck the fun out of it because then that just that's counterintuitive because you don't you hate playing the instrument, then you're not going to want to learn anything on it. So that was kind of the deal. So through that whole like span from 2013 all the way up to 2016, I'm just I'm in boot camp. You know, know, I'm, I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm practicing as much as I can. In about 2017, I come back to uh, Louisiana and we had some friends and family here that uh, had a school. It's called the Neo Jazz School of Music. I go ahead and uh, I just go hang out with them, you know, a lot for some time. And they run what was called a jam night in New Orleans, I believe it was called. This was just like a little event. They had a huge little auditorium. Actually, it's pretty big. You could fit probably like 100 people in there or so. It was a nice little event that they would run. And so they would have people come up, like open mics, a bunch of people, you know, they had a couple of acts that come, but they also had the house band that did the main. You could come in there and jam with the house band. And so that's what I did when I uh, finally got back to New Orleans. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and start doing playing live in front of people because I I'm okay at this point. You know, I'm somewhat competent. I got a lot of scales under my fingers. So on Wednesday night, I go ahead and I go down there. You know, they're doing uh, some jazz standards, you know, some R&B hits like Jill Scott, you know, Maxwell. They also did a few Rodney Laws tunes. You know, I'm just sitting in with them. And I, the first time I went, I had this little practice amp with me uh, that I actually had from like way back in the day. It was my first drum amp. That was all the gear I had. I had a nice guitar, though. I just sat in with them. And eventually, through the times, I just kept coming back, kept coming back, kept coming back. And every time I came back, I got better and better, better and better, better and better. It's just like, it's amazing. I think about it. It's like, it was kind of that trial by fire because 
up until that point, I had been a bedroom guitarist. I only did one gig, like one live show before then. It was actually my dad's record release party, like back in 2011, I think. Like I was 12 years old at the time. But um, at the time, I was just like, okay, I, all I did was just learn the chorus of the song and, you know, back him up. Up until then, it's like, it's just, it's just me playing in the bedroom. But what that jam night did was it allowed me to kind of force myself to that next level because I'm playing with like a level musicians. Like these guys are fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Like to this day, like keyboard player, my name is Jael. He's a good friend of mine. Like when I go on live, I'm bringing him with me. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? That's how good that is. And so I got better and better with them. And eventually it got to the point where they asked me to become the guitar player for their band. How old were you when that happened? I think I was 17, probably going on 18. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So this was like about five years ago. But what that did, once I joined the band, we started, you know, putting together the set list, you know, actually having an organized set. And then we're going to go do gigs around the city and stuff like that. So uh, that's what we did, man. And I was there. I put in the work. I put in the effort and just went gigging. We had this uh, one hit down here on uh, Decatur in uh, New Orleans here. It's called the uh, Balcony Music Club and uh, BMC for short. And we did that all the time, man. And so that's really where I got my stage experience, man. And so once I kept doing that, that was it. Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, sometimes we'll go in that bar. It's all dead and stuff. People just chilling out. Once we went there, we hit the stage. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. It was different, it. different vibe. That is really cool. I, I listening to you, like a, a couple things are coming to mind. Like one, like you're 23, right? Yeah, I'm blown away at how cerebral you are and you have been from the time that you were a little boy. Like clearly, listening to how you were analyzing things and thinking through things, and you know, you're a really cerebral cat. That's a really cool thing for someone so young. But the other thing I think is really important for our listeners to understand, too, is like this is happening in one of the cities that has probably one of the highest concentration of prolific musicians in New Orleans. So when you talk about playing with a band of A-listers in New Orleans, you're talking about playing with like serious, 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 serious musicians. Yeah, for sure, man. It's one of those deals where it's like, you know, they force you within their level. If you're not good enough, then I don't. Because there's a bunch of people in the city that are fantastic musicians, even better than me. You know what I mean? It's so those dudes, they're going to take your spot, man, if you can't hang with them, you know? So it kind of humbles you in that regard. But it's one of those deals where, man, I'm blessed. I'm blessed that 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 is my story. That is fantastic. That is fantastic. I got to tell you, in listening to Commotion and listening to the song that you you shared with me that influenced you, like there's this fusion there that's going on, right? And so clearly you have, like you talked about Para and, and that impact on you, but like there's a lot of styles that have impacted your way of playing and how you approach what you do. Yeah, for sure. It's... um. A lot of it is rock and jazz fusion. That's how I decided I wanted to approach guitar because um, you have your straight ahead, you know, your your traditional jazz approach, which a lot of which I, I, I love. I love it. But I find that if I'm going to stand out from the rest of the people in my genre, that's currently, you know, my contemporaries. I got to approach it a little different. You know what I mean? And so I can only do what I can do because I I can only sound like me. And so 
every time you hear me pick up an instrument, you're hearing that story I just told you. You know, every event up until this point is what's influenced my playing. And I wouldn't have it any other way. And so that rock influence, that more specifically, that melodic rock influence, because there's very distinct nuance in those in the difference there. But having that influence, man, I think that really gives me a, a little bit of a unique edge over you know, a lot of people because they kind of come through that that traditional route. Which I like, I said I love, I love it, I love it. I listen to, uh, to you know traditional jazz all the time. I, I've actually really been on a, a kick to try and add that to my repertoire even more than I already have. But I talk to friends, you know, in this industry a lot, and we're like, look, man, if you sound like you, you're gonna be successful. Yeah, yeah. Because that's how you market yourself. That's who you are, and people are coming to hear you. People are not coming to hear me sound like George Benson because George Benson. Is George Benson. Exactly. Like, you know, what makes me stand out from him? And what am I going to do to make my stamp on this genre, make my stamp on this industry? Because, you know, it's imperative that this genre moves forward because, you know, I'm a young cat. A lot of the people that I'm, my contemporaries are a lot older than yep. I am. Yep. They're around my dad's age and stuff like that. So, how is this genre going to move forward if everybody's stuck in the past? That's so, right. And That's so right. it's, it's necessary that I, I sound like me yeah, and yeah. hopefully people like that, you know, and I, I guess by the results people do. So I'm, I'm thankful, man. <laughs> they definitely do. They definitely do. And I, you know, let's go ahead and take a listen to you sounding like you on that blistering new hit of yours, Co-Motion. Thank you. 
All right, everybody, that was today's guest, Lamech, with his debut and number one single, Co-Motion. So I want to... I want to get to what the story behind that song. But before I get there, I want to go back to something that you just said. Reminded me of a story I heard about George Benson and Earl Klug, where George Earl Klug, early in his career, was having a conversation apparently with George Benson saying that, I don't know if this acoustic, if I can, you know, if I can have the success I want to have with this acoustic guitar. And George Benson apparently basically said to Earl Klug exactly what you said. He said, you do what you do. And force everybody else to catch up to you. But you do what you do, and I guarantee you, you'll be successful. And clearly, you doing what you do for your first, again, your first single to reach the heights that it has, there's no doubt that that's the formula for success. Like I said at the beginning of this, it's surreal, man. I could not have foresaw that anything with my stamp on it would have made it this you know made it this far man like my playing has been heard well over maybe 150,000 times by 150,000 different people you know what I mean and so they they have been emailing me like dude I love your playing I love everything that you've been doing man where where can I find more and so to see that I was like okay I think I made the right decision you know when I picked up the instrument I was like you know this is making people excited and making people happy that's the purpose of why i'm why i pick up those guitars over there yeah yep and i think you're way underestimating that number your playing has been heard by millions of people i know your playing has been heard by millions of people you know hey look man i'm a humble guy i i I, i'm low ball (laughs) that's all right that's all right so talk to us about how co-motion the song came to be what was the genesis for that song so that song was the genesis was a man named Chris Big Dog Davis. Yes, yes, very well known, big time producer player. Yep, he go, came to me with that song, and uh, he was like, "Look, man, this is gonna be a killer song for your new record. Let's see what what's going on. What what can we do with this?" And so, came to me with it, and uh, I went ahead, dove right in with it, put my best foot forward on it, man, because he he what he had sent me, man. It was a killer track already. When I went in there, I was like, okay, hold up. Let's see if we can go ahead and, you know, what can I do to make this better than it already is? And so that's what you finally heard on the final. Judging for that, we sent that to my promoter. But uh, that guy was like, look, man, <laughs> like you don't, you don't, I don't think you understand the caliber of song this is. And so he was like, all right, this will be your first single. And Go ahead and let's go ahead and wrap this up, put a bow on it, and then we're, we're going to ship this off. And That's fantastic. So I got to imagine that right now, maybe your head's spinning a little bit. Maybe you're in between, you know, doing what you do. Maybe you're thinking a little bit. What are the goals that you're setting for your career? First off, the main goal is getting back on a live stage, doing some tours. First of all, I got to finish up this album which is actually almost done so i only have like two songs left to finish on it and so um it'll be slated for release sometime next year but once i get that done and uh, we're all finished with the pre you know recording process to start getting out in front of people man that's the goal that's the end all be all right now so because i actually haven't played live in front of people since pre-pandemic so that was kind of a deal. And so that whole pandemic all the way up until now, I've just been in the studio constantly, man. It's just, you know, 
you know, writing, you know, you know, playing, you know, practicing, all that kind of stuff. You know, that's that's kind of my deal. So I want to get back in front of people, get back in front of, uh, you know, a band, a live band again, you know, because I, I miss that, man. That stuff is fun. <laughs> you have the media of, you know, just listening to music like, you know, in headphones or, you know, the CDs or mp3s or anything but hearing it live is is a different energy and that's something i've been missing man because it's like you know you get to feed off the crowd you get to enjoy the, the electricness uh, I don't yeah, know, electricity yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah you know just like the energy that performing live gives you and so i'm gonna get back out there and especially with my music because you know before i would do you know other people's music do cover tunes and stuff like that because you know new orleans is party city people want to party so if you ain't got no bounce to your music, you know, you ain't, you ain't getting it. So, you know, so I love that. That's been my history. But now I want to try and, you know, actually, you know, get the, the music that I'm doing out. That's awesome. And start doing that and, you know, build a name for myself. Yeah, yeah. You ain't kidding about New Orleans being party city. I, I had your oh, yeah. dad on the show recently and we were talking a little bit about New Orleans and I was saying to him that for me, like my max is like about three days, you know, like, I, you know it's, like it's like New Orleans is like, it's like totally sensory overload, man. It's everything yeah. on 10, you know, and it's just oh, like, yeah. oh, I got to go home and sleep for about two weeks after a couple of days in New Orleans, man. Yeah, man. Look, man, if we, if you ain't doing it big down here, don't do it. That's exactly right. I used to always bring clients down there and I got to tell you, man, I, I would be wore out after a trip to New Orleans. Hey man, you need some, bring some five eye energy and a couple <laughs> yeah. of ibuprofen. When you come down here. Exactly what... <laughs> right. Exactly right. And a real good, comfortable pillow for the flight home. Oh yeah. <laughs> Gonna be sore, that's for uh -huh, sure. <laughs> uh -huh. So where were you the first time you heard commotion on radio? Uh where was I like physically? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh I was here. I think okay. the first time I heard it on uh radio, I was driving to the gym in my car. Okay. And to be honest, that's the only time I've heard it since because I haven't really? caught up. Yeah. Okay. I haven't heard it on the radio. You know, it's funny because Chris, uh, Big Dog Davis, he and my producer, not producer, promoter Jeff Lunt, they text me all the time. It's like, dude, I, yeah, here you go. Uh, Co-motion on the radio, Sirius oh, XM, yeah. watercolors. I'm like, bro, I'm kind of jealous. I only heard it once. <laughs> Y'all like, hear it all the time. Yeah. I'm like, yeah <laughs> but uh, I've heard it probably at least 20 times or 20 plus times. At least. I can't catch the time when they play it. So, it's <laughs> like, you know, and, you know, half, half the time that's to do with I'm just busy. I'm yeah. always in the studio. So I'm working on stuff. I got other songs to do. So, you know. You know, let that song do what it do what it does. But uh, yeah, yeah. You know, and if I want to hear it, I just put the MP3 on. There you go. There you go. If I gotta hear it, yeah, you, got, you have access. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got, I got uh, the ultimate access with that. But yeah, no, nah, I've heard it actually more times on uh, WSIE. Yeah. Okay. Than Sirius XM. Okay. Because uh, I've only heard it once on there, but WSIE they actually did the world premiere for that single, so. It's pretty crazy, dude. Like, yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Tell us a little bit about the influence that your dad has on you as a musician. All of the influence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all of it. Uh, not all of it, but, you know, his influence started very early. Like I say, you know, listening to him having his playlist going in the car back, listening his his inspirations. And so hearing that from a young age was very instrumental, but also he was doing his whole album by himself you know what i mean and so i would listen growing up to him you know 
doing writing his songs, you know, hearing him doing his production. So I would listen to him his his process all through the way and and hearing how he plays horn on a lot of stuff, you know, also influences my playing because you know he's the guy before anybody I heard. Yeah, you know right, what I mean, right, right, because he started it all. You yeah, know, he was like I said, he's already a established musician long before I was born. So he is the crux of this whole journey that I've been on. You know, he started me off early with, you know, the drum sets. He he taught me a lot about, you know, how you should approach melody, you know, what's good, what what don't play, you know, how you should sound, you know, stuff like that. And other factors being like Stanley Jordan, Charlie Para, and some of the other fusion guys that I've been listening to, they added on top of that foundation. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And so that built the, you know, the building that I am. To have him be here every step of the way, pretty much, you know, is incredibly thankful for that. Because whenever I want to, you know, if I need some advice or something like that, I just go ask him. It's really that simple. (laughs) I was talking to him, like I said recently, and it was evident in talking to him how important your career is to him, you know. And how willing he is to pour anything and everything he he can into into you and your success. That's a cool thing from a father son relationship. It sounds like you do, but recognize how special that is. I completely understand how special that is because he is my biggest supporter. You know, I wouldn't have this opportunity if it wasn't for him. Him being in every step of my life, you know, supporting me, cheering me on, you know, making sure that I'm on the right track making sure that I, if I was going to take seriously to be the best that I can be, you know what I mean? Cause one of the things that he was always telling me about, he was like, whatever field you go into, just make sure that you the best at it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the best that you can be. Exactly. Don't go halfway on anything. Just follow that path and get to the end and make sure that you learn every lesson that's along the way with that. You know, that's kind of one of the deals that I, I took to heart. And so that's where I'm at, man. That's I'm, awesome. I'm absolutely thankful for it. That is awesome. Well, let's listen to the big hit from another one of your influences. Let's take a listen to that Stanley Jordan cut, Lady in My Life. Thank you. 
Everybody, we just heard Stanley Jordan's Lady in My Life, a classic, a classic contemporary jazz hit, one of the influences for our today's guest, Lamech. So uh, you talked a little bit about Stanley's playing, but I guess my question is, is what is it about him that moved you or his, his sound that moved you? It originally was the his technique, I would was intrigued by because you know when i was trying to listen when i was like six years old i remember it's like dude how the heck do i play that and so eventually i i learned that it was the tapping technique you know he would have one hand here doing the bass and then he would actually you know play the octaves with uh with his right hand and so i didn't understand that type of technique because i had known tapping from like you know eddie van halen the rock kind of stuff but that's a different approach to tapping that started me off. But then even when I would dissect that song, his solos are so melodic. I don't know if any if any of your viewers or if you're yourself have checked out the live version of that track. If, if you haven't, for your viewers out there, if you like that song, please check out the live version because I didn't even think that song would get any better. It sounds better live than it does on the studio version. But his phrasing is so melodic, man is some of the most melodic lines that I, I think I've ever heard in a lot of regards, man. He just understands the changes. He understands music harmony. He understands the complexity of a lot of some of the the musical lines that he can come up with. But he also has it to where he knows where to put them. So it's not all complex. It's pleasing to the ear. So he, it's like his timing and when he plays those melodic lines in his phrases it's just it's it's impeccable. And so I draw a lot of influence in that because I'm like, OK, this is how you do that. This is how you approach, you know, a solo that 
would, I would say, cause people to like really stop and listen, but then also still enjoy. You know, I, I talk that with, with a lot of a lot of my peers as well. It's like, you know, a lot of listeners, you kind of have to sometimes carry them through things, always go too complex to where, you know, they can't understand. But there's a fine line between complex and simple that I like to walk. And I think he and Stanley walks that very, very beautifully, you know, because you also have to challenge your listener, I believe, a lot of it sometimes as well. But it depends on where you challenge them. You know what I yep, mean? And it absolutely. Has to be tasteful. tasteful playing. That's the main reason why I love Stanley. Awesome. Awesome. So what would you say is the things that you like most about being a musician and what are the most challenging things about being a musician? That's a very, very good question. I would say the thing I like about being a musician, I would probably say the challenge. Uh-huh. Okay. I would say the challenge because like, say for instance, playing the guitar, it was the challenge of learning something that I know I can't play that inspired me to want to pick it up and learn it. So that's one of the deals with me. It's like I hear something that I know that I probably can't play it right now. I don't get discouraged. That's like one of my favorite things. I was like, I take it. I take it head on. I was like, OK, I'm going to learn it. Like I, I got a piece that I'm, I've been working on for like the past two years almost. Still can't play it. But it's one of those deals where it's like I work on it. I keep it going and I don't give up. Every time I go to approach it, I go to learn it. I was like, ah, oh, you know, a lot of people will probably be like, oh, well, I still haven't. I should have made progress by now. Why can't I learn this? You know what I mean? It's like, I don't, I don't approach it like that. I was just like, you know what? I'm going to get it eventually because yeah. I'm going to get it right. You know, yeah. if yeah. I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. And I love that. That's one of my favorite feelings because I get like excited because I like I get to learn stuff that I know I can't play. And then I know will make me a better musician. And same thing with uh the recording process, writing challenging music, or, you know, say for instance here, I'll use this as an example, Co-Motion. So when Chris sent me that song, I was like, dang, man, this song is, am I going to do this right? You know, I was, uh -huh. I, was, I, was, I was like, dude, what am I going to do on this? But I got it. I was like, do you know what? This is a challenge. You know what I mean? Can I make this song work? Can I do a, a good job? That was the challenge I took with Co-Motion. You know, judging by everybody's reaction, that worked out. It but, did. <laughs> yeah, I'd say. And, uh, yeah, for sure. I would say the most challenging thing as a musician is, uh, man, I guess you could say it's the same answer as the first part of the question. But if I had to give you another answer, it would probably be uh, getting approval from my uh, promoter. Every time I send him something, it's like uh, me being on American Idol or something <laughs> like that. It's like you know, or the voice or whatever. It's like two judges over there just looking at you, staring like, okay. Uh -huh. <laughs> that's you all got? you got that's what you got. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you know you know it's like okay so like you know i'll probably say that but no nah, i love them man it's it's fun it's all a good fun. that's <laughs> all right that's all right so your name has significance tell us about the meaning behind your name oh yeah so um my name is uh lamech my last name is just right but uh lamech is name the moniker now i guess i go by but uh Lamech is a Hebrew name. My dad wanted to give me that name by, from birth because it's a very strong name. It means builder of a new body. After that experience, that which is called death. For my life, it, it, it has a lot of meaning and significance because, you know, I have to live out the attributes of my name, literally, physically, 
when I say builder of a new body, I mean that quite literally. I have a lot of uh, aspects about myself that, you know, I have to live up to in, in that name. When I have my life that I have lived so far, it has right down the middle lived up to that definition that I just provided. So giving people a means to work out the best aspects of their life to, to emulate what my name means is to make sure that they lead righteous lives to, with my music. That's what I mean, by the, by the way. My music will cause you to have a change in your life, to bring out the best aspects of who you are and what you decide that you, your life needs to, your life means. I was going to say, I think that, you know, we sometimes, like listening to you, your music that you create is not a, it's not just something that you're doing. It's something that's very soulful. It's something that is very, it's connected to your very being, you know, and listening to your definition of how you feel, have this desire to live up to the meaning of your name through your music and inspire people that way. And that's a pretty cool and a pretty I'm going back to, to this, like for a young man who's 23 years old, that is deep, deep, deep. It causes you to come out of that state of death. Yeah. That's what I was, that's what I was trying wow. to say. Because, wow. you know, a lot of people I, I can say right now is uh, they're not alive mentally, should yeah. I say. Yeah. It's like, you know, there's a lot of darkness right now. And a lot of uh, people walking around that that are comatose, I can yeah. say, not like literally in a sense, but into in a spiritual sense and sometimes in the mental sense as well. You know, anybody that will come in contact with me, hopefully I would like to think, you know, I would cause them to, you know, to have to think a little bit. You know, this genre that we're in, it's, it's quite intellectual music. This is not mainstream for a reason. You know what I mean? And a lot of music that's out there is a lot of, a lot of dead music. It doesn't cause you to have any type of uh, intellectual thought or anything that would cause you to, you know, have you come up with a anything that would be positive or creative. A lot of the times, you know, the music that I choose to make and the music I choose to have my name attached to is stuff that I would want you to, you know, be able to think about and to have a positive impact in your life and to come out of that dead state and to rebuild your body, you know, after you experience that state. That's fantastic. That is fantastic. So Sorry, it took me a bit to get to that. No, <laughs> that, was, that was that was great though because that was that was look. It was deep, but it was deep in um in the most sincere way. And I love what you said about you know there being dead music out there. Like I, you know, so, some stuff I just don't listen to. And I I hate to say this, but a, a lot of the more some of the current stuff I don't listen to because I feel like I don't get anything when I listen to it. Right. And and I wanna I wanna I want to I want to feel like, you know, I can hear it 50 times a day. When I hear Earl Clue play Midnight in San Juan, I get a smile on my face. I feel something. You know, every time, every time you come out of that dead state, you exactly. come up into the light, you know what I mean? And you feel it, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> and that's what good music does. Good music makes you feel something. And you said something about the genre too. You're so right as a promoter cuz I promote I promote a festival, this is not, you're right, this genre is not for everybody, right? But what I have found is that the people who love it, they don't just love it. They love it on, they love, they love, love, love it. it. Exactly yeah. right. They love, love, love it. And so that's really cool because you know it has impact on them. 
you know, it's one of those deals where, like I said, it's it's a very intellectual genre, but the the format of jazz in all the subgenres, I think it's making somewhat of a resurgence, as especially as of recently, because my generation, I guess, you know, has from what this is from what I I've seen among you know people that are around my age is that they they have a little bit of appreciation for things that are moving the boundaries per, per se. So if you're not moving forward, they don't want to hear it because they don't want to hear anything that's, you know, that's stagnant or stale or just not. It's like you're coming out with the same thing over and over again. And then it's like you lose them. You know, as the older generation say, we have no detention span. So I guess in that regard, they're completely correct because I guess in a way that's a good thing because they don't have any time to be dealing with stuff that's not going to be anything relevant within the next couple of years or whatever. You know what I mean? So not to say, you know, that there's knocking anything that's going on now, but it's one of those deals where I think the demand is now starting to be there for it. And jazz has always been a very progressive genre. It's always been it. And now a lot of genres are looking to jazz to kind of blend the genres between the two. So jazz fusion is, is a huge deal, especially right now, even more so than it may have been in the past, because there's even rock artists that are looking to jazz right now or instrumental. I listen to prog rock all the time. Some of the greatest musicians have borrowed, you know, a lot of the nuance and the vibe of the traditional jazz music, as well as even contemporary jazz music as well. They're some of the best musicians on the planet. I was, uh, for the past few years, I, I was, you know, predominantly making my uh my stamp on the instagram guitarist circuit you know i was doing that posting videos and stuff and um i would see my feed i would follow these guys and they're just some of the fan i'm like shocked dude there's people right now that are like there's kids that are like 12 even 9 to like 15 years old that are playing like they've been playing for 50 years and they're already like 15 even all the way up until maybe uh my age race, like you know, even in this genre, you have like Justin Lee Schultz and stuff like that. That's just fantastic. Like this period. That's the kind of caliber that this generation is producing, and it's a lot because of uh, social media, really, which is a huge influence on that. Because, like I said before, how it inspired me to pick up the guitar and keep playing when I saw Charlie Para. A lot of people can look at the guitarists they like and see them playing. You know what I mean? And it's kind of more of a close intimate setting that i guess really uh kind of lights a fire under us you know it's kind of mm-hmm. like okay if i want to do this i got all the tools man yeah like, yeah anything any resource that i could possibly need is right in front of my face so there's no real excuse to not do it you know what i mean no doubt awesome so lamec we have this segment that we do on each show it's called bout it or doubt it okay so if you're about it is something that you're into it. If you, if you doubt it, it's something you're not quite feeling. Can we get you get your arm twisted to get you to play? Yeah, let's go ahead and do it. All right. I doubt it. All right. So Lamech, we'll spin the wheel. We'll get you a category, and then we're going to ask you a couple of about it or doubt it questions. Okay. Cool. All right, Lamech, your category today is around the house. So, bout it or doubt it, cooking. 
Doubt it. Doubt it, huh? That was a quick doubt it. I don't like cooking. You don't like cooking. Okay, okay. I'll paraphrase this. I don't mind cooking if I have to. Uh-huh. I just would prefer the food to be done. I hear you. I hear you. I understand. I understand. I used to like cooking, but I have turned into someone with pretty much the same attitude as you, right? Like, if I don't have to cook, I'm yeah. good. I'm really yeah. good with that, you know? It's like, listen, man, I cook sometimes because I was living by myself for a time and I would cook. And I was like, dude, this is taking forever, man. I'm hungry. Yeah, 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 <laughs> like, yeah. Hey, give me the food, bro. Yeah. It's just like, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> that's cool. But you know what? I think I am kind of turning the corner on that because just like music, I'm kind of like, you know what? Let's. I guess there is a challenge in cooking. So you got to wait and you got to, you know, it's an art form to cooking in, in itself. So I might be open to learning that. It is. It is. I, although I tell you, I might be regressing. I might be going the opposite way because I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how the conversation started. I have a 16 year old daughter and my 16 year old daughter re- referred to those, quote, two sorry meals that I can make. You know, it was like, <laughs> OK, that's it. I ain't making nothing else. I'm hey, done. she. she- she said, uh, yeah, that's that's my elaborate plan to get stop him from cooking. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so we got one more about it or doubt it for you. Cool. Doing repairs around the house. About it or doubt it? About it. About it. Okay, so you're handy. Yeah, no, I wouldn't say handy, but okay. uh, I don't mind repairing stuff. I like okay. it. Okay, okay. I like okay. making noise outside. Oh, yeah. Okay. So did you take to that kind of stuff kind of naturally, or did you? did somebody teach you that, or...? Uh, no. Well, my inspiration for that was my grandfather. Okay. He was very handy. So yeah. I grew up with him for like 10 years after we moved here. So, uh, you know, I, I'm real old school, you know, okay. that whole deal. But, uh, you know, I'd see him fix lawnmowers. He tried fixing his old truck back in the day. I don't think that worked, but, you know, uh-huh. he tried. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, seeing him do stuff, you know, that was kind of like, you know, like, that is a skill that you need to know. And yeah. You need to be able to fix stuff. You know what I mean? So anything that breaks around the house, I'll go see if I can fix it. That's cool. See, I, I totally do not have that skill. If, I, I, if my dad doesn't get to it first. Okay. 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 <laughs> but you have the skill to even want to try. See, I, I totally don't have that skill. I remember, I remember being in high school and my father, who was extremely handy, having this notion that he was going to teach me to be handy one day and he was going to have me take a radiator out of a car and put another radiator in that car. Right. And by the end of that took all day long. And by the end of it, he was frustrated. I was frustrated. My dad got up and my dad, he looked at me and said, son, develop your mind. (laughs) (laughs) So I never got the handy gene. Yeah, hey man, look, it's not for everybody. And trust me, it was it's probably not for me either, but I'm gonna still keep at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so no matter what you do, you might still break something. Yeah, right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So are there artists out there that you would like to collaborate with at some point in time? Ooh, yeah, for sure. I actually have a couple that I guess I can probably name drop. I got one that I've collaborated with already by the name of uh Adam Hawley. Oh, sure yeah. I've heard about him. Kind of uh, obscure okay. musician. Yeah, <laughs> no, a little, 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 little bit about him. A little bit about him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a little bit. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, nah, Adam Hawley, we're, uh, we're collaborating. He's got his little stamp on my album here. So, that's uh, cool. That's cool. Michael Broning is another one. But um, there are a few artists I would like to work with that's in this genre. Actually, I believe that are on the charts as well. Yeah. One of them is a lovely lady by the name of Brooke Alford. She's yeah, a violinist. Okay. Yeah, I heard her single. I actually just found out about her, but I heard her violin playing on. She's got this single called "On the Move." Uh huh. I love that song. Huh. That her last single, man. 
that is a killer track. I love it. So um, I don't know. Maybe hopefully in the future I could probably get her on some stuff. Man. Yeah. I love to work with her. Yeah, that's one. Uh, let me see if there's another one. I would probably say there's a pianist. I hope I'm saying her name right. Is uh Yulia? Okay. Petrova, okay. I believe uh-huh. her name is, and uh, she's uh going ahead. She has a song out, I believe, that uh hit the Adam Kepler's uh, Smooth Jazz, Jazz Network charts, mm-hmm. and so uh, she's very good. I've heard some of her stuff. It's a little bit more kind of has a traditional jazz vibe, but her playing on it is is solid. So I, I think one of these days I'd like to have her on some stuff as well. That's cool. That is awesome. So let's listen to another song that, that's inspired you. The G5 Project. Tell us about your love of their their work. All right. So the G5 Project, this was uh, around the time I was, you know, practicing Charlie Paris stuff. They're a little bit more of a fusion rock type of deal, but they have a little bit more of that influence that I, I tend to stem from that their guitar playing and the way they shape their melodies that in their music. And the song that I chose is called Words. It's kind of like a rock song, but it's like a it's a jazz song at the same time. Like the production, it's like when I heard it, because um, I wasn't actively listening to smooth jazz at the time, but it was kind of like this was jazz rockers. That's the kind of vibe I got from him. And I, I think it's something that people that probably don't listen to rock would, would still enjoy because it's kind of down that vein, at least in my opinion. Yeah, man, I enjoy their their playing and they're, they're one of the big influences in my life. Awesome. Well, let's let, take a listen to words.
everybody, that was words from the G5 Project, one of the inspirational tunes that our guest today, Lamech, shared with us. So what is something that people would be surprised to learn about you, Lamech? Ooh, that's a very good question. I don't know. I'm I'm five seven. Uh, <laughs> I drive a Hyundai. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. I guess that's it. Um, surprised to learn about me. I don't know. Maybe uh, I'm a gamer. I'm probably yeah. I enjoy the occasional video games. Maybe I got one. I was aspiring to be train engineer. Really? Up. Okay. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> so how did that come about? And, you know, what was it about being a train engineer? Because that's not something you hear commonly, right? Like people. Yeah, uh, I haven't heard it since. Critically important <laughs> skill, right? But you don't yeah. hear that commonly. Well, uh, you know, being a train engineer was because I was four years old and I liked trains. Uh-huh. Okay. But, okay. you know, I would ask, like, my parents and they would be like, oh, well, if you like trains, what are you going to do with it? Like, are yeah. you going to work at the station? It's like, oh, uh, well, what, how do you drive the train? Yeah. And it was like, oh, that's a train engineer. It's like, oh, I want to be that. Uh-huh, uh-huh, <laughs> and uh-huh. so, you know, that, that was kind of like a, a childhood dream. And uh, I didn't really go anywhere with that because it was just kind of one of those deals was like, I like trains so much, but it's just like maybe one day when I get older, that's kind of a deal. It it really didn't go nowhere other than that. But that that was an aspiration I did have at one point. That's cool. That's cool. So there's a there's a there's a ten year old out there who's looking at you now, thinking I want to be like I want to be like Lamech. What advice would you give that? Would you give that ten year old? Oh, you want to be like me? Be yourself. Be yourself. You can draw inspiration from what I do, and I hope you do. And I hope my uh, my path will lead a nice foundation and a blueprint for where you want to go with your life. But we mentioned in this podcast is that everybody has their own story and they can only be themselves. So do not emulate anybody. Be the best that you can be. That is so good. That is great advice. I'm going to I try to put all my guests on the spot with a couple of questions here. The first one of those two questions is, what are your three favorite albums of all time? Three favorite albums. Quinn Gerard W. Before It's Gone. Yeah. OK. That's the number one. If I'm going to have to choose another one. Oh, of all time, though. Mm-hmm. That's the thing, because I was going to say of. It, it, this would fall in the favorite album of this year. Okay, be, well, that's okay. Uh, that's all right. Are you sure? Is that yeah, cool? that's cool. Uh, Blair Bryant's album that he just dropped, Red Tiger. Yes. <laughs> that, that is a phenomenal album. Yeah. And what a cool young man, too. I've had a chance to work with Blair a little bit, and he is just a down-to-earth. Like, yeah. he, actually, him and his dad remind me a little bit about of you and your dad. His dad really? is – Yeah, his dad is – his kind of his manager and everything, but just cool people, just salt of the earth, good, decent people, you know? Yeah. Well, he's, he gives me that vibe. I follow him on Instagram. I haven't had any contact with him, but, uh, you know, actually to follow up on your earlier comment, that's probably a guy I'd like to work with in the future as well. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Blair Bryant. And then, uh, third, who of all time, man, dude, that's put me on the spot. (laughs) Real for real. And you know, what's crazy is that, I probably, if I looked at my playlist, I could probably give you that answer. Yeah, but right now yeah. off the head, I'll probably say, um, I'll just give you an answer. I'd say the joy emotion. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. 
that's in the progress genre, but you know, okay. I just got to give one. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And then the other question is you're having a dinner party and you can invite any three people living or deceased. They don't have to be musicians from any walk of life, anything who's coming to your dinner party and what's on the menu. All right. Uh, dinner party, three people, right? Mm-hmm. Three people. Let's go ahead and go with Michael Jackson. Yeah. Good choice. Michael Jackson. They don't have to be celebrities. Do they? No, they don't. Okay. Okay. My dad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll have him there just because I need, uh-huh. need somebody <laughs> to bounce off of. And then um, I'll go with probably another celebrity. Let's go ahead and go. Oh, let's have some drama. Let's go with Prince. Oh, <laughs> wow. Michael Jackson and Prince at a dinner party together. That would be something else. Yeah, man. Look, man, you got to have some. Uh, we need some uh, entertainment at this yeah, table. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to be at that one, too, man. I got to, yeah. you know, I got to tap into that one. Yeah, man. I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a preface that. I was like, hey, man, this is tonight's entertainment. <laughs> yeah, nah, but uh, yeah, that'll be it. And what we're having, I'm a vegetarian, so. Preferably, I would like to have something that I could eat. Probably pasta. Okay. Some any any form of pasta, like any. I love pasta. All right, all right, good. Well, Lamech, I got to tell you, man, it is. We are excited about your music. We are excited about what the future holds. I have. I'm super excited that there are artists like you who are have this burning desire to keep this genre moving but are doing it in a fashion that is new and fresh and different and bringing something to the table that you just don't experience every day and and certainly you know obviously given the success you had I'm not I'm going to say this anyway but you know probably the the cat's already out of the bag I have a feeling that you're going to have a very 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 long very 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 successful career and that we are going to be listening to your music for decades to come. So, man, that's the reason I set out for this. Man. Yeah, so yeah. Make that stamp. And that's that'll be my legacy, and I hope it's a good one. It's going to be a good one. I have no doubt about that. Well, thank you, man, for taking time to speak with us today, and we wish you all the success in the world. Oh man, thank you so much, and thank you so much for having me on your platform, man. I, I love you. You have a great vibe, and uh, man, I hope you. to be here next time. Sounds good, <laughs> man. Well, we'll definitely have you back. All right. For sure, for sure, man. Thank you. All the best. That's our show for this week. Be sure to check out our website, freshcoastjazz.com, to sign up for our email list so you can stay up on what's going on with contemporary jazz. We'll see you next time on Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage.